and uh, placing this on my heart to speak about here in this uh, early part of January, where we're into our third Sunday now. Uh, almost thought winter was going to bypass us, uh, but we definitely got that here this week. And uh, the kids are happy because of some snow days. So, um, but just our firm foundation, that's what the Lord has been placing on my heart. And uh, I'd like everybody to stand as, as we're going to read this first verse together. And uh, then I'll have you be seated. We're going to start off with Isaiah 33, 6. Read this with me. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to the treasure. Now go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to break this down just a little bit before I go into prayer. And I want to start with, he is the sure foundation for our times. Remember, that's plural there. That's present, before, after, all times. He is the sure foundation. He's a rich store of salvation. He's a rich store of salvation. That means there's enough salvation for everyone. There's no limit. Also, wisdom and knowledge. I love how the Spirit placed us in here of wisdom and knowledge. Because the fear, the reverence, the love, the worship, the relationship with the Lord is the key, look what God shows us here, to the treasure. Now, whether you're a treasure hunter or you like treasure movies or anything, when the treasure word hits up, does the, does the ear perk a little bit of God speaking something here that there's an inheritance, there's a treasure with this. And it comes back to the sure foundation of our times is a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the treasure. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day to live and serve you. Father, we ask that you anoint these words and that you have prepared them today, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear and meditate on your word. We invite the Holy Spirit in this place. We are so grateful for the opportunity to worship you freely in this country. We humbly lift up our praise to you, our rock and our firm foundation. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I remember as a young child, around eight or nine years old, uh, running down the street of South Pembroke, just right over here behind Conus Furniture, a couple streets up in South Zanesville, and running down to Grandma's house. You know, Grandma had this orange-brown couch. I think they probably came standard with Grandma's houses back then. About everybody had one. They could take on any kind of stain. You could never see it, and us big root boys could do the big flop. That's what we always called it, and the thing would always support us. It would never break. But Grandma had this little one-story house. She had a front porch and a back porch. The front porch had a swing. It had tomatoes across the banister, and it also had some flowered pots that were on the steps. Now, there's just something about Grandma's house. Can you all agree with me? Raise your hand if you can just think back to Grandma's house, how many times you went there, and the things that you experienced. I can tell you this. There was always candles. There were cookies. There was breakfast. And there was coffee. The smell of coffee was always in there. I think Grandma had about three jugs of it a day. And we always joked that Grandma didn't have any taste buds because she nuked them. The hottest coffee ever. It was more like hot lava, not hot java. So distinctly, I remember going to McDonald's in the drive-thru. I was in the passenger seat, and she pulls up. 
grandma's order after they welcomed her to McDonald's, she'd say, I want a small fry with no salt and a fresh large cup of coffee. Now, that seems like a pretty standard order nowadays, but back then I think that wasn't the case. I mean, making fries without the salt, this little old lady's telling us about how to do that over the intercom here. I mean, this is a little crazy. And then she wants fresh coffee. I mean, that's the coffee that's in the pot. We'll do that. So if you think about it, since they've transitioned into there's no salt on some fries if you want that, and they also, I think, mark down the time of when the coffee pot's made. I think my grandma probably started that back in the 80s. You know, they probably called it the Holda. That's what her name was. So, But here's the thing. You would think after all those special orders of the no, no salt on the fries and the large, fresh pot of coffee that she would make you make, she'd sit around and wait on it, she had all the time in the world. You think she'd pay for it? Well, that's when the old golden buckeye card got whipped out and it was free. So after the special order, she then got it free. She had her way, she had her way around that. So grandma's house had a picture that hung up my entire life. And it was a picture of Jesus knocking on a door. I remember asking grandma why Jesus was knocking on that door and does anybody ever answer? So grandma said, well, honey, we just need to let him in, and he will come in and eat. Got a little sample of it up there. It's not the exact one, but it's close. And I said, Grandma, I said, did he ever knock on your door? And she said, oh, yes, sweetie. She said, multiple times. I remember just, you know, I'm eight years old, sitting on the orange brown couch, looking at the door, thinking, is this going to happen right now, or how's this work? And there's also just something about Grandma's vocabulary. I think, whenever, I think, I think when you become a Grandma, automatically, sweetie, honey, cutie pie, sugar, and precious are all downloaded in your vocabulary. Because I don't remember mom using those when she was tanning our hides because we were doing something wrong. So, But now she calls everybody sugar and honey. So, But grandma also told me that not everyone lets Jesus in who knocks. Little did I know as I got older, I slowly realized the impact of this picture that's up here. We're going to turn to Joel Chapter 2, verse 32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I love to take scripture and break it down because sometimes we can really breeze past these. We can, you know, barely catch that net. Let's, let's put this up on the side of the ear to let this stay. And everyone, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Man, that just takes it in perspective of how important it is to live out mission of what you're doing in this church. When some people call on the name of the Lord, they may just be cracking the door open to their hearts. But that's all the Lord needs. That's all he needs is a little peeky boo who is it? And he's not like other folks that are going to show up with just an empty plate and a smile. He's going to bring the party. He's going to show up in your life. This is how he rules. He's loaded, and he loves you. In fact, he gave up all of heaven for you. He gave up his life so you could have yours. So I ask, why are we distant-minded when it comes to God's presence? We act many times like he's so far away that we aren't high on his priority list. I'm here to tell you that God isn't only near us. But his spirit lives in us for those who believe. So if he's inside us, why aren't we tapping into him and having a relationship with him every second? Why aren't we instead asking for his wisdom 
instead of asking for just wisdom, once you start calling it the wisdom that it should be, his wisdom, I'm asking for his wisdom in this situation. I'm asking for his guidance in this situation, for his strength, for his grace, for his mercy, for his love, for his ability, for his parenting. Thank you, Lord. Need that daily. For his business deal, for his mission in your life. Because he is our rock, our firm foundation. Webster's Dictionary says the word foundation is this. A basis upon which something stands or is supported. So let's turn to the Bible to see what God's word says. We know what Webster says. Now let's see what God's word says. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his, rock, his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Amen to that. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. We'll take a moment here to have Sam play a song called Firm Foundation. Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause he's never let me down He's faithful through generations So He's never let me down He's faithful through 
Amen. He's our firm foundation. His ways are above our ways. He is the creator of the heavens and earth. He knitted each and every one of you perfectly. Did you hear that, church? He, de he designed you perfectly. Some of you may be thinking, Dave, I think you're a little off on me. Well, stop listening to the lies of the enemy. I don't think that, that he's... The Lord is wanting you to buy all in. He is wanting you to surrender. And when you're listening to the lies of the enemy, that discouragement creates a divide in your belief. You need to be all in and sink in to this foundation that is here, and that is Jesus Christ. Remember, God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake with you. If you're sitting there listening to that lie, 
get rid of it. Command it to go in Jesus' name. He never, ever, ever makes mistakes. I haven't found that in God's word where he says, well, God made a mistake, so he did this. Remember, he didn't make a mistake because he created you in his image. God's image. He didn't mess up. He didn't fail. Each and every one of you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know how I know? Let's turn to Psalms. Psalms 139, 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I can tell you where the mistakes are. If you want to look at mistakes, I make mistakes. But my mess is his miracle. Great is your mess. Greater is God's miracle in your life. People have come to, come to salvation in many different situations. You shouldn't have all the answers when you come to Jesus. You shouldn't have everything figured out. Probably not going to be in perfect health. Probably not going to have a perfect marriage. But God will meet you where you are. God is not afraid of your mess. You don't believe me? Let's check out some messes that were in the Bible. God met the woman with blood right in the middle of a crowd. God met the paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof on an old dusty mat. God met the blind man right in his darkness. God met the non-believer right in his own disbelief. God met the woman at the well who was looking for water. He showed up with living water. And guess what? God will meet the prodigal son. Here's the beauty of it. If you read the parable of the prodigal son, it tells us that the father ran to the son ran to the son. He didn't wait and say, hey, come on up. Come on up. You're a little slow-footed. He ran. As soon as his son appeared, the face turned towards the father, and he ran to the son. God is in the business of saving, not condemning. You cannot exhaust God's supply. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine. I love how it goes into this, or guess, or request in your wildest dreams. So right now you're thinking, I've got a couple requests, and I don't know if these are going to be answered. Well, have you given them to God? Have you given these requests to God and then just sat back and let God work? Or are you trying to outdo the Father? God can do anything. You know far more. And I love how it's broken down here. You could ever imagine Maybe somebody didn't get that one, so let's add in or guess or request in your wildest dreams. God will transform your life once you surrender to him. He loves you. He will grow you. That's why our church calls it the journey. There was just a leadership conference here yesterday. We, many of you were able to take part in that, and we talked about the journey, how important that is. In the center of the journey, the walk in the journey is with a firm foundation. And that is Jesus. I think back to Grandma's firm foundation. Not the orange brown couch. Not all the coffee. Not the golden buckeye card. But what she instilled in my dad. And in his brother. And she also instilled it in Grandpa. Grandpa went through a lot. World War II. Came back and was digging the coal mines. Had cancer. Those were tough things to go through. A lot of doubt can set in. But Grandma's foundation, just the picture of Jesus knocking on the door, she carried it on. And it's carried on into our family, and it's going to carry on generationally until Christ comes back for all of us.
I want to close with this. I heard this story from a pastor, and I just, when, when I heard it for the first time, it was on TV, I just sat back and kind of looked up and was like, wow, this, this, is, this is a faith slobber knocker here. This will blow you away. A very wealthy man who owned many properties and homes, he was extremely wealthy, and he would seek out and collect famous paintings and pictures. This was something he loved to do. This wealthy man had a wonderful son that he just loved. And his son died in a war at an early age. He was absolutely devastated to the point where it was tough for this man to live. This wealthy man had a painting done of his wonderful son that would be hung up over the fireplace in his beautiful home. And it would be the first thing he looked at when he woke up, and it would be the last thing he looked at when he went to bed. When the elderly man died, there was no one to receive the inheritance. So there was an auction that would be held to sell off all the expensive art, the collectibles, and the properties of the estate, because he had many. Many gathered at this auction because they knew of his collection, and they were excited to purchase all these items that the wealthy man had left behind. The attorney for the wealthy man, he, he was the attorney for the estate, was to open the will and determine how the auction was to take place. Remember that no one had seen the will, and nobody knows what it says. As the attorney opens the will, he says, uh, the first painting of the auction is the wealthy man's son, one hung over his fireplace. So everybody kind of looks at each other, a couple eye rolls. Who was that? Was that a famous painter that did that? They're all kind of looking at each other in disbelief. That's really the first painting they're going to put up there. So as they're done with all their eye rolls and so forth, the attorney begins with, uh, well, let's start off with $10. Can anybody bid $10? It's dead silent. There's chuckles that are coming across the crowd. Back in the back, there was an old butler. He was in the back of the crowd, and he was with the wealthy man all of his years. He helped serve him, and he helped serve his son in the short amount of time his son was alive before he passed. The butler always saw that the wealthy man was heartbroken throughout his life because he missed his son so much. The butler was emotional that nobody wanted to take this son's painting. He didn't have a lot because he kind of belonged to the state. He wasn't really paid much because he lived there. But he did have $10 in his wallet. He looks around and he says, I'll take it. I'll bid the $10. The whole crowd turns to the butler in the back. Why in the world would you want the painting? Nobody knows who it is. The attorney says, quickly, sold to the butler in the back. Now, let's get this going. Let's get the next item up here for bid. And as he's reading down through the will and they're bringing up the next expensive painting, he says, the auction is over. Everybody gasped in the crowd. It is written in the will that he who has the son has it all. The attorney turned to the butler and said, my friend, you are the owner of the entire inheritance. He who has the son has it all. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I got one action step. And before I read that action step, I know praise team's going to go ahead and make their way up. I want to share this verse. John chapter 8, verses 35 through 36 says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. A slave to sin has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it forever. When you're a believer, you are a son 
and a daughter of Christ. You are forever. You're in the family. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I got to read that again. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here's what I want you to do. One action step. Believe those in Christ because you're set free. That you receive his blessing, his favor, his inheritance, his mercy, and his life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the firm foundation. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and how he has came and he has defeated death. He is selfish for his children. He wants us to live a wonderful, abundant life. And that abundant life isn't just in heaven. That's a whole nother story, Lord. You've got a, a perfect, perfect eternal life for all of us. It's going to blow us away. But right now, you want one too. This isn't just, you got to survive down here. You got to struggle. You got to scratch and claw. He wants you to step into the inheritance. Because if you have the son, you are. Amen. Thank you, David. Friends, he who has the son has everything. He who has the son has access to the entire inheritance. And that's because Jesus is our firm foundation. Now, before we close and it closes Christ, friends, this is not the day to put that off. Today is the day to shore up your firm foundation. Now, you might be wondering, well, is that me? Well, friends, we can have assurance of salvation. When you invite Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will enter in and warm your heart, the Bible says. You will know that you know that you know. You can have all the assurance in the world when Jesus meets you in your heart when you've invited him in. So if you don't have that assurance, today is the day. Today is the day to say, Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I acknowledge, God, that you did that because I needed it. Why would God go through all that trouble if we didn't need that? He sacrificed his one and only son so that if we could have his son, we could have it, access to all of the Father's inheritance, friends. And we just simply invite him in and we confess our sins and we say, God, forgive me for, for not keeping you first place in my life. God, forgive me for trying to do this life on my own. God, forgive me for turning my nose up at your word and, and doing whatever I want, whenever I want, or any number of other things. And we just confess to God. Confessing to God is agreeing with God that we have sinned in our life. And when we agree with God, oh, it just opens up the doorway because Jesus is knocking. You see, you think you've been searching for Jesus all your life. Oh, no, no, it's been the opposite. God's been searching for you. You see, he's found you. He's just waiting for you to acknowledge it. He's knocking at the door of your life, just like Grandma said. He's knocking at the door of your life, and he's, he's waiting for you to open up the door. That's all you have to do. Open up the door of your heart and invite him in because he's right there with you. Some of you came in today feeling like God is distant. Some of you came in feeling a little disenfranchised in your faith. That's okay. That's part of the faith journey, right? But today is the day to be reminded of God's presence, to invite him in for the first time or to return or to invite him back in because maybe a while ago you did and God's been tugging at your heart ever since and he hasn't let you go because he won't let you go if you truly invited him in. And today's the day to reclaim your relationship with God, friends. And so I just want to invite you to stand.
And if God is challenging you in any way, shape, or form about receiving Christ, renewing your faith in Christ, joining God's church, being baptized, or maybe you just got something going on in your life right now, go ahead and stand. That's all right. You can stand. Everybody's standing right now. Everybody's standing. We're going to sing this closing song, I promise. I'll be done preaching here in the second sermon in just a second. But, but uh, this, this is an opportunity for you to just make your way forward during this closing song. Be ministered to, be prayed over. You can just be by yourself if you want to. The prayer team won't bother you. But if you want prayer, just ask them when you come up. They'll, they'll pray for you and pray with you. But, but friends, God is the one that does the heavy lifting. And if your hearts are heavy, the altar is a place for you. It's open. Come on, church, let's sing.